We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome back to Shoot the Shot, an NBA and variety show, and Happy New Year to our listeners. Jonathan Osborne here. As always, I am joined by the illustrious, the voluptuous mm. Luke Sylvia. What's poppin', my guy? <laughs> not, not much, man. I, I feel good. It's 2022. Um, my first question is, did you stay up till midnight on New Year's Eve? I did. It was a, it was a little bit of a struggle. Uh, we mm-hmm. went to a family member's house, and we brought... Uh, we brought Avery, our oldest. Mm. We didn't bring um, Amelia. She was with uh, Grandma. Yeah. But yeah, like twelve o'clock hit. I think we were out of the door at their house at like twelve oh seven. Came home and went we, right to sleep. We were at a friend's house for a lot of the night, um, and so we were there. And then the ball dropped on the East Coast, and right, we pretty much left. Right. Um, we left, which our friends that were hosting thought we were lame for because a couple other couples left at the same time. And then uh, we get home. Well, who grabbed I... the keys first? Because that is the person that ruins the party. Um, I think there was some like you could tell like the the wives were like changing their body language a little bit uh, to like starting to stand. Yeah. Lauren and and Hannah, our, our other friend, they kind of started standing, whatever. And so I was like, oh, okay, like we're let's just go, right? So we went and got Harper up, yada yada. But um so yeah, so so we did that, but then we get home and we're putting Harper to bed, all that stuff, and we don't even recognize midnight. Like I think I remember looking at the clock, it was like twelve oh four and we were like getting ready to put Harper back down and I was like, Happy New Year, I guess, you know? So is what it is. When you have kids, it's totally different and it yeah. was uh, it was pretty different this year. Yeah, this was the first year that we tried to keep Avery awake, and I think she made it to like nine thirty. Trooper, and then was out. But mm-hmm. yeah, I guess it's kind of weird when you're in, on Central Time because, like, obviously, like the East Coast, you have the ball drop in Manhattan, yeah. and West Coast they do their stuff like in LA, and I guess you guys go to downtown Omaha and like drop like a you know <laughs> cob of corn or something like that. I don't know what y'all do over there, dude. Idaho did a potato. That's cool. so you guys probably someone in Nebraska probably does corn. Someone in Nebraska, a farmer out in like who knows where, um, Broken Bow, Nebraska, probably does a a corn drop for sure. Yeah, probably. All right, Luke. Let's go ahead real quick. We're gonna shout out our patrons: uh, Court Cousins, Drew Gooden, Armin, Keith Garcia, Zico, Carson Tulo, Nathan Lynn, Ellis, Norm L, Magic Player History, Julio. 
Hope that you guys had a happy new year and happy holidays. Uh, without you guys, we can't really do what we do. So really appreciate you guys. If our listeners, anyone out there listening is interested in supporting uh, the show financially, you can go to patreon.com slash the six man show. We have three separate uh, tiers to choose from. And again, really, really appreciate your guys' support. So Luke, this week we're going to talk um, our mid-season NBA awards. If we, if the season ended today and, and we voted, because uh, by the time that this episode comes out, you know most teams are going to be hitting the halfway mark in, in just a, a couple of days here. Uh, but before that, uh, last night, a player that a lot of uh, NBA fans didn't know that we were going to see play this season. So last night in Indianapolis, uh, the Nets uh, were taking on the Pacers, and one young Kyrie Irving made his debut for the Brooklyn Nets. So if you've been living underneath a rock for the past five, six months or so, uh, because Kyrie Irving um, does not want to get vaccinated uh, Mm -hmm. in the city of New York, where the the Brooklyn Nets play basketball, uh, Kyrie is not allowed to play in home games. And the the Nets basically said they were not going to allow any of their players to be quote-unquote part-time. Um, but now almost 41 games into the season, uh, the Nets have played 36 games at this point. Uh, they have decided to change their mind and they've allowed Kyrie to play all of the away games. So it's going to be kind of strange. Um, so, so far they've played 17 away games. So they have like what, like 24 away games left. So I guess they technically have, uh, you know, more away games than they do home games, Luke, so that they've got that going for them. But Kyrie Irving last night, 22 points, 9 of 17 from the floor. You pointed out very efficient game for him. Four assists, three steals, 32 minutes. So, you know, his conditioning is up there. Um, What do you think about Kyrie's debut, and and what do you think this means for the Nets going forward? Well, first of all, shout out Lance Stevenson. Filled it up last night for the Pacers. He, uh, Lance will make him dance. So he he was back in full force. I saw the Pacers putting out. Yeah, as Jonathan is just blowing into the camera right now. Um, but I saw the Pacers tweet out uh, All Star vote uh, oh Lance Stevenson gosh, last bro. night, which was hilarious. But uh, no, really good outing from Lance Stevenson. So uh, shout out him and Kyrie Irving. Yeah, like you said, an, an efficient game. Um, you know, fifty almost fifty three percent there, uh, nine of seventeen from the field, and. I mean, for a guy who not only, you know, is having to get in rhythm back with this team, he just got out of health and safety protocols. So, like you said, his conditioning clearly up there. I mean, he had been very obviously, like, probably wasn't having too many symptoms there when he was in health and safety protocols. Able to play 32 minutes last night um, in his first game there. I mean, I, I impressive, man. And the, and the Nets are a team that were already, you know, a top two team in the East now Kyrie's back. He can play those away games. It's going to be very bizarre. And as we've said, like you're kind of tired of this narrative. But also, I mean, I, I think it's just starting to get going. It's going to get really interesting. And I feel like this is not the last time we talk about Kyrie and the Nets. Let me ask you, Luke. Do you think the Nets can really win a title with Kyrie only playing away games if this continues? Now, we're talking about the finals still in like another five months from now, I believe. Uh, possibly six months. I forget uh, when the finals start this year. But do you think it's possible for the Nets to win the title if they have to go, um, let's say, you know, the Nets end up with home court advantage and they're taking on the Warriors in a seven-game series where Kyrie, uh, you know, there's a possibility he would only be able to play in three of those games in a seven-game series. 
do you think it's possible for the the Nets, or do you think it's uh, realistic for the Nets to win a title this year if if the current conditions continue? I think it's possible. I think that that KD and Harden have started, you know, obviously learned how to play together here. Second in the East, as I mentioned, were first at one point without Kyrie. I think it's possible. The the part of it that I don't like, so that's my that's my answer really is that I, I do think it's possible. Now, well, do I think that they could beat the Warriors in those circumstances? No. If Kyrie was playing all those games, obviously, I would say yes, they have a, a pretty great shot there at that point. But there's a lot of question marks. Nets just getting Kyrie back. Warriors about to get you know Clay. So there's a lot of unknowns. So I would say that it's possible. Um, I think that it's going to suck though. Like if the Nets make it and they play against whoever it is from that's representing the West, I think it's going to suck because at the end of the day, the Nets fans and rightfully so will be like, yeah, well we didn't have Kyrie for half the series. So what do you like? Oh, we only lost in six. Imagine what would happen if we had Kyrie fully healthy. You know. Well, I, so, I just hope they're making those same excuses for the Cavs. You know, like six, seven years ago. That's yeah. But you know, I digress. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I, I, I think that we're in some. We're obviously in uncharted territory with all of this stuff. So you don't I, I say think, two years yeah. of uncharted territory, and we're still yeah. saying that. And we're still saying it because there's new circumstances that I didn't think were possible. So. This whole Kyrie thing's crazy, man. I think it's going to get really interesting with Kyrie and then you know Clay coming back to the Warriors, as I said too. So yeah, with you know CDC guidelines changing surrounding you know when mm-hmm. um, you know uh, COVID positive players are able to come back yeah. and you know uh, COVID seems to lax a little bit in the you know spring and, and summer months. Uh, so hopefully by that point when we don't have to worry about this because end of the day you want the best team you know to be fully healthy and to go on and win the title. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. All right, Luke, let's go ahead. We're going to talk about our mid-season predictions. So we had this conversation at the beginning of the year, but mm-hmm. like I said, some teams have played, you know, 36, 37 games. By the next time that we record a, a shoot the shot episode, you know, there are going to be some teams that have reached the halfway point. So let's start um, 
we're going to end with rookie of the year because I think you and I are probably most interested in that. A lot of our listeners who listen to the six man show, our Monday show are probably most interested in, you know, like most improved player and rookie of the year, especially. So -hmm. let's start with the MVP. And do you remember who you had picked to be MVP at the start of the season? And then who do you think now uh, would be your pick to an MVP? Um, Yeah, I'm going to pull it up here real quick. Um, While you're doing that, I can go ahead and start. So, Beginning of the year, my pick was Nikola Jokic. And uh, right now on basketballreference.com, their uh, MVP award tracker, they have Giannis leading all candidates with a 27.8% probability of winning MVP. And Jokic is there at 16.1. Rudy Gobert, funny enough, is right behind Jokic, number three at 12.5. But Jokic, Denver sitting there at 18 and 18. Um, at the start of the season, we knew they weren't going to have Jamal Murray, but it looked like he was going to have Michael Porter Jr. And I said, without Michael Porter Jr., if Nikola Jokic is one of the best players in the league and still has Denver in playoff contention and they make the playoffs by the end of the year, I just think he was primed really to have another great season. Sitting at 18-18, and 18, Denver is currently the eighth team in the West, so they're still right there in the playoff hunt. Right now, if the season were to end today, Nikola Jokic would finish with the number one single-season player efficiency rating of all time of 32.17, which would beat uh, last, or two seasons ago rather, Giannis Mm. Antetokounmpo's record-setting 31.86. So right now, by that measure, Nikola Jokic is having the most offensively efficient uh, season that any player has ever had in the history of the NBA. Pair that with the fact that Denver is still fighting for a playoff position. He's by far the best player, keeping them in games every single night. Nikola Jokic would be my MVP. What about you, Luke? Yeah, so to start the year, it was Kevin Durant, who by all means still isn't out of that race at all, um, especially you know with the Nets being where they're at um, and his level of productivity to keep them afloat. With that being said, at midseason here, kind of the check-in point, I am changing that for my prediction for uh, Steph Curry. Ooh. I think Steph right now, man, I mean, the the, the Warriors are number one uh, in the West. They're technically tied with the Suns, but they are by, you know, tiebreaker, yada, yada. They're first. Um, so w- with me, he's averaging almost 27 a game. He's shooting a career-high um, attempts from three at 13.3 and still managing to shoot almost 39% from three. Um, and it's despite really like recency bias could have maybe could maybe shift people's you know thoughts because as of late the past few games Steph has not been himself, but I think that with what Steph has already done despite this kind of rough rough patch that he's had, I think that um, Clay comes back this team only gets better. We know this MVP award most of the time is going to go to a team that is higher in the standings than you know others. So I think that they're going to finish first in the West, and I think that uh, Steph is going to only be elevated by, you know, Clay coming back. So I, I, Steph is my pick for MVP. It's hard to argue against either one of those guys, Kevin Durant or Steph Curry. Like, you know, Brooklyn arguably, you know, they still have a chance to finish number one in the East, and mm-hmm. I would, I'm right there with you. I think the Warriors are going to finish number one in the West. So, yeah, I yeah. think that is a, a great pick. So let's move on, Luke, um, to most improved player. So uh, at the beginning of the year, I picked Michael Porter Jr. Um, As did I. Obviously, he's going to you know miss the entire season, so uh, it's not going to mm-hmm. be Michael Porter Jr. Uh, right now, for me, and I think kind of everyone um, is, is kind of in agreement that it's a two-man race for me right now. It's John Morant, 
or it's Miles Bridges. So Miles Bridges, everyone knows, started the year off at a crazy, crazy pace. Um, has kind of started to slow down, especially shooting the ball from three. Very efficient to start the year. Last 15 games or so, he's starting to cool down. He's at 31% on the year. Uh, but last year, scored 12.7 points, six rebounds, two assists. Uh, on 50% shooting from the floor and 40% from three. This year, he's up to 19 and a half, uh, seven rebounds, 3.7 assists, uh, a little bit lower in efficiency in terms of his field goal percentage, and then the three-point percentage. Like I said, the last 15 games, just not shooting the ball well. But I think I would go John Morant, going from 19 points up to 25 points, uh, you know, averaging 40% from 40% from the line on 4.3 attempts, almost 49% from the the floor, uh, 5.7 rebounds, 6.7 assists, doing his best to keep Memphis. I mean, Memphis, even when John Morant was out, um, still very good team, keeping themselves in the playoff hunt. But the the Grizzlies right now are four Desmond Bain in the Western Conference. Yeah, Desmond Bain's playing out of his mind. Um, another guy that could have been you know an Orlando Magic could have been literally. Any team in the league, basically everybody passed over him in the draft. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know. To me, it's a toss-up. I think it could go either way. I think just because of how good John Morant has been his first couple of years in the league, he's a guy that could e- easily be overlooked for that. And Miles Bridges has taken such a leap, you know, bet on himself this summer. Um, I could see the narrative going either way, Luke. I, I, I Kind of a cop-out, but I, I just don't know between those two guys. And... I said shout out Desmond Bain, and uh, that's your guy. That's my guy. I MIP. It, it was Miles Bridges, and I still very much enjoy Miles Bridges, as you know. Um, I was you know, loving Miles watching Bridges. him at the, at the beginning of the game, man. And uh, I think that he could still win it, and uh, he's really my number two, honestly. Um, number one's Desmond Bain for me. I think that I ha- I really hate that you know that that he's getting oversha- overshadowed. Because what he's doing is ridiculous comparatively, right? Uh, this year he's starting. He's played 39 games, started in all of those games. Last year started in only 17 of the 68 that he played in. He's upped his um, – in eight more minutes per game, he has upped his points by eight. Um, he's averaging right now 17.4, 2.3 assists, 4.4 rebounds. He is shooting almost seven three attempts a game and shooting 41.6 from three. So for me, it's Desmond Bain, um, and it might be me trying to make the sexy pick, but also it's a realistic pick. It, it's one that very well could, um, if John Morant has any bit of like, uh, you know, if he goes down at all, declines at all, and know what he's do- doing right now, it, it's crazy to me. Like the Grizzlies are one of the most improved to me, and it's because of both of these guys and just the ridiculous clip that that they're shooting and and Desmond Bain from three. It, it is it is ridiculous. I like the pick. All right, up next, Depoy. Um, I have a really, I think this is like the obvious pick. I have a really hard time uh, picking anyone outside of Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. Um, Draymond Green right now, uh, you know, he's not a, not scoring the basketball. 8.1 points per game, but when we look at the rebounds, assists, steals, blocks, 7.8 rebounds, 7.6 assists, 1.4 steal, 1.2 blocks per game. He's leading the best defense in the league, the Golden State Warriors, number one in defensive rating, 102.2. People have been asking the last three or four years, is Draymond the same player? Is Draymond dropping off? He's made it very clear this year that he has not dropped off. Again, leading the best defense in the league. Um, you know They don't have like elite 
uh, perimeter defense yet until mm-hmm. uh, Clay Thompson comes back. Andrew Wiggins is you know a very solid defender. This team is just going to get better defensively. But Draymond is the ultimate communicator, always telling guys what spots to be, always knows what the other team is doing, and is the anchor of the best defense in the league. Draymond Green, Depoy. So obviously can't go wrong with him, and I, I think that it is very much a two-man race. If Ben Simmons was playing this year, he would definitely be in that race. I think we can agree there. My pick is Rudy Gobert. Um, Rudy Gobert, and and it's not – so I, I should preface this with – um, sometimes my picks, a lot of my, a lot of the times is like who will win, not necessarily who should win. I think what you don't see from, from Draymond Green, like what you can't see uh, a lot of times is how good his IQ is, how much the whole team relies on him defensively. I think there's a lot that goes into that. I think that Draymond has the highest defensive IQ in the league. That being said, this award very much values blocks and rebounds and a decent team. The Jazz right now are third in the West, and Rudy Gobert has is averaging 15 rebounds a game. Now, if he keeps that up, that would make me a career high for Rudy Gobert, a guy who has already won this award before, um, not to mention 2.3 blocks a game. So... I think in in almost a steal, as a big man averaging almost a steal is pretty impressive. Um, I, I think that that's who I think will will win the award is is Rudy Gobert. The thing about Rudy Gobert is if Rudy is able to win Defensive Player of the Year again, um, he joins Dikembe Mutombo and Ben Wallace as the only players ever to win four four uh, Defensive Players of the Year. He would be tied yeah. for most all time. If Rudy wins another one, like I would bet the house that at some point he ends up with the most defensive player of the year awards ever. How do yeah. you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, uh, why not, right? He's 29. He's He's got probably three more years left of this um, at, least. at this high of a level, at least. I mean, it, hopefully nothing happens with like his knees and knee injuries or anything like that just being huge. Um, I, I think that... He's got a yeah. He's got at least those three years left till he's you know thirty two, thirty three years old. If he wins it this year, I think that he can get another one for sure. Just by I mean he's he's got the formula. He he's dominant. He averaging over two blocks a game and and fifteen rebounds. Fifteen rebounds is just ridiculous. All right, um, can we skip this next one? Six man of the year. Why is that? I, I really don't. No, want you to, don't want to say I, I don't it. Want to talk about this. I you really don't want to don't. say it. You don't because say I it. think we, I think like it's this one, I think is like really inarguable. Um, yeah. First of all, when I went to look at betting odds right now for this, mm-hmm. bettingpros.com, yeah. I just want to throw this out there. They have Tyrese Halliburton uh, ranked third, they have Tyrese Maxey ranked fourth. Tyrese Halliburton has started every single game he's played in this year, Tyrese Maxey has started every single game but one. In what world do you think that qualifies a guy to win six man of the year? Bettingpros.com. What are we doing? Be better. That's terrible. But number one, unfortunately, and there's just not an argument against this, it's Tyler Hero. Uh, and, and honestly, I mean, you could even argue that he should be in the running for most improved player. Uh, this year, averaging 20.3 points per game. Uh, he started 10 games uh, for the for the Heat. You know, injury depleted, so I think he still qualifies 
uh, you know, mm-hmm. at least in my opinion, uh, shooting 42% from the floor, 38% from the three-point line on seven attempts, effective field goal percentage of 49.7, 4.9 rebounds, 3.9 assists. For you know a team that's missed a lot of guys, Kyle Lowry's been in and out of the lineup. Jimmy Butler's been in and out of the lineup. Uh, the Miami Heat are fourth in the Eastern Conference at 24 and 15, and Tyler Hero has been a huge part of that. They've also been missing, uh, you know, Bam Adebayo, and you know Tyler Hero's just been very, very steady for them this year. Um, luckily, he hasn't really killed us when we played the Heat. It was like Gabe Vincent and Max Struess that were destroying us, but uh, yeah, I-, I think it's Tyler Hero, unfortunately. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely Tyler Hero. I think the other one here, I'm looking here at VegasInsider.com, um, the second best odds, but it's it's a ways behind. So Tyler Hero minus 164. Uh, this was as of like December 29th, I think, so about a week ago. Um, and Montrezl Harrell was plus 1400, and third is Dennis Schroeder at plus 2500. Harrell, I think, has a you know, has somewhat of an argument, right? Obviously, Hero is the clear-cut choice, but Montrezl Harrell is averaging 14 and a half a game, um, 65 almost percent from the field. I mean, he he's doing he's a problem. great. Th- he is, and he's averaging seven rebounds. He's six foot seven is listed. I mean, he I mean, and he plays big, and it's it's crazy but but i i think that obviously clear cut and my my answer is tyler hero um but shout out montrez harrell yeah tyler hero arguably like the best rap song ever named after an nba player mm. by jack harlow is that fair yeah. to say that song yeah, I mean, slaps him or him or mo bamba so yeah no <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I love the, I got, uh, you know, call it. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. But, no, nah, uh, the Tyler Hero song is definitely the better song. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Five boys with me and they not in sync. Like, that's, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a that's a pretty hard line. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, shout out to Jack Harlow. Welcome on the podcast anytime. Tyler Hero, you are mm-hmm. not, my friend. All right. <laughs> So let's talk coach of the year, and then we'll talk rookie of the year. So going through this, uh, I really don't know. I feel like there are a few candidates like Steve Kerr, you know, Steve Kerr, Monty Williams, you know, both of those guys are going to have like really good cases. You know, they're sharing the best record in the league. When you look at the Chicago Bulls, Mm. and I feel like we can talk about this a little bit more. But 25-10 and 10 right now, leading the Eastern Conference, won eight in a row. Um, like Billy Donovan has done a great job. Their front office did a great job. Um, I, they they weren't ranked as... Um, they were ranked as having the best offseason, but they weren't ranked as being the most improved team. And I think it's pretty clear-cut that they are the most improved team in the league this mm-hmm. season. Uh, so, like, you have to give Billy Donovan credit. And then Steve Nash... Like, regardless of the talent that you have in Kevin Durant and James Harden, you still have, like, what, $40 million in cap space wrapped up in Kyrie Irving, who has played in one game so far. So you're 23-12 and 12 without Kyrie. Um, Kevin Durant has missed time. James Harden has missed time in the health and safety protocols. And they're just kind of still, like, chugging along. So, like, I think Steve Nash honestly deserves to be in that conversation because he's kept them afloat you know in in some some pretty turbulent times this season uh this is gonna suck but i'm still gonna pick steve kerr 
the Warriors mm-hmm. have just been so good. Um, like just the bias in me, they've been so much fun to watch again, and they're just going to get better when Clay comes back. Uh, I think that's really when they're going to have the opportunity to separate themselves from other teams in the league. I, I think Clay is just if he comes back in his eighty ninety percent of what we thought. If he comes back one hundred percent, like I think the Warriors are winning the title, and it's not close. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I'm going to pick Steve Kerr. I am going to go with uh, the guy that you talked about quite a bit there, Billy D. Um, I, I think not mad at that. I, I think it's hard to to build an argument against him, especially last year. You look at you know who won last year. It was it was Tibbs, and it was because the Knicks went from like twelfth in the East up to having home court advantage in the postseason at fourth, which is a crazy turnaround. But what Billy D is doing right now with that team, obviously the front office deserves a lot of credit, but the that award doesn't care too much about that, right? I mean, if you look at where the Bulls were, they were in a similar position to where the Knicks were. You know, the year before Tibbs won Coach of the Year, right? The Bulls finished have finished 11th in the East two years in a row, and now they're sitting atop the East. I think even if they can hang in the top three of the East by the end of the season, I don't see why not, like, why Billy Donovan can't win that award. I think that it's really, I think it really is his to lose. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to ask you, like, really quick, like, I totally agree with everything that you said. He definitely has a, a you know, a huge, um, you know, argument there uh what do you think of we talked about this i remember at the beginning of the season when we went through kind of like the preseason predictions you know like the Mm -hmm. um gm survey that came out but they said that the the bulls were that had the best off season but they weren't going to be the most improved i think like the the bulls front office like they have a chance to win like front office of the year like executive of the year with you know i mean technically the vooch trading the vooch trade was last year but the signing of DeMar DeRozan, mm. and DeMar was still like plenty good in San Antonio. And this is going to be like, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit here. But when we would talk about like, we oh, we need to trade some guys, open up some cap space and make a play for DeMar and uh, pair DeMar with Vooch. We were all like, why? So we can be like the fifth seed forever. Right. And if, the, if I knew that this was the DeMar that we were <laughs> going to get, I would have been all for that because he has been incredible this year. Um, yeah, I, I think the front office there has just done such a great job. Yeah, and I, I think that you know Knicks fans are reeling from this too, right? N- the Knicks fans in the offseason were like, "Demar, I don't, I don't want Demar." And, and, and we now got Julius the... Randle. We don't need Demar, dude. We have I'm, Evan Fournier. No, I'm, no, I'm, 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 I'm playing Evan. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I mean, man, we I, got Kemba for eight million. <laughs> Now he's come back and has been pretty good, but you know, yeah. Tibbs, Tibbs bench him there for a little bit. Okay, last but not least, the moment that we have all been waiting for. I want to know who your rookie of the year is. You know who mine is. Who is your yeah. rookie of the year? I think everybody knows who yours is. I'd say, Who's but yours? mine is uh, the I. He's the rookie that is sixth in the East right now. His team is sixth in the East. He is uh, averaging almost 15 a game, eight boards, two and a half assists, almost two blocks a game, 0.8 steals, 50% from the field. Not great from three, but everywhere else makes up for it. Evan Mobley. I I think that it's crazy, man. And what he is doing right now, the fact that he is almost averaging two blocks a game 
is ridiculous. And and anyone that had hesitancy about him in the offseason, um, obviously he showed out in uh, March Madness um, last post in the you know last one that that they had, and really turned some heads. And Evan Mobley has just continued to do that night after night. So that's your case for rookie of the year, Evan Mobley. Yeah. Uh, yep. Okay. Totally fine with that. There, I think right now, if you say Franz Wagner, who I will, uh, if you say Scotty Barnes, <laughs> you say Evan Mobley, I don't think there is a, like a, there's not a wrong answer right now. I think it's mm-hmm. obviously bias. Like, come on, like who are we kidding? Um, right. But it's also like a matter of preference, right? Scotty Barnes has been phenomenal. Like, really had a, a super hot start uh, to the year. You know, has been in health and safety protocols. Toronto sitting there at eight, eighteen, and seventeen. Uh, mm-hmm. Seventh in the Eastern Conference, he's been a big part of that. Uh, Cleveland, twenty-one and seventeen. Evan Mobley has been a big part of that. The only thing that I'll say, Luke, Evan Mobley um, and and Scotty Barnes were just in the health and safety protocols, and you didn't really see a large drop off in terms of team success. Those teams still mm. played pretty well with those guys out. Franz Wagner. Before I get to his stats, um, I think it's very possible that if the Magic don't have Franz Wagner at all this year, they would have zero wins. I think that that is not completely outside of the realm of possibilities. That is how bad the Magic have been, and that is how good Franz Wagner has been, especially um, in Magic wins this year. So Franz Wagner right now um, leads all rookies in total points. He leads rookies in uh, total games played, minutes, all that good stuff. Uh, Leading all rookies right now, 15.8 points per game. He's sitting at 45% uh, from the floor, 36.9, basically 37% uh, from the three-point line, 83.9 from the free throw line, 4.7 rebounds, 2.6 assists, 1.1 steal, and a half block a game. Uh, The thing that I'll say about Franz is out of the three of those guys, Evan Mobley, probably the, the best all around player right now. Scotty might be the best like perimeter defender, but Franz, I think has been shown the most offensive versatility, uh, the biggest bag, um, an array of moves we've seen. Biggest the, something. What's that? Sorry. Nothing. Excuse me? Uh, nothing. I didn't say anything. You're, you're distracting me in the middle of my Franz Wagner taking that. <laughs> you won't, you don't have the courage to tell me what you were saying. You said he has a big, big something. Oh my, you know? his big bag. I didn't say sack. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah, right. He, you said big bag, and I said big something. So okay. that, there it is. He mm. he might. I mean, he plays like he does. <laughs> you know what I mean? We're we're not here to to judge, but you know, right. it's just uh like he, he he's got a solid crossover for a guy his size. He's got the euro step, which is basically unstoppable. Like we've seen him do it against everybody. Like Joel Embiid last night, um, mm-hmm. just over and over again. We've seen him go at Rudy Gobert. Like he's not a he's done it against Giannis. Yeah. Um, you know, splitting double teams of Drew Holiday and Giannis. Like, like straight just pause, but giving it to Chris Middleton when they played the Bucks last, dropped thirty eight points on the Bucks. Um, mm. we, we could gush over Franz Wagner all day. We do it every single week, but um, right now he's just if he continues at the pace that he's been playing, especially the last month. Uh, you know, we go back and we take a look at the month of December: nineteen and a half points per game, forty seven percent from the floor, forty percent from the three point line. He won Rookie of the Month, so everyone knows that. Um, if he continues at that pace, um, 
offensively. And, you know, he is a good defender. I think he's probably a better team defender and help defender uh, right now than he is a, like an on-ball defender. Yeah. When a guy like Jonathan Isaac comes back, if he's healthy, it's going to unlock both of those guys, really. To Jonathan Isaac is an excellent, he's an elite one-on-one defender, but he is, like, incredibly special off-ball at just creating havoc and deflections. And I think once Franz has more of that freedom, we'll see some more of that as well from Franz. So for me, it is Franz, but you really uh, you can't go wrong with uh, any of those picks there. Yeah. So Luke, yeah, halfway through the season, um, I, those, those are uh, those are my picks. I have I have one thing to add, and it's going to be a cliffhanger. And if you want to know the answer to this, you probably tune in on for Monday's episode of the Six Man Show. The question I'm going to pose, Jonathan, that will go, hopefully we touch on that in the show. Do you think Franz Wagner has the highest ceiling of all the rookies? And we can talk about that on Monday's show. You do, you can think about it. Oof. I don't want to re- I don't want an days. instant reaction. Give me a few days. I, I will. And I'm going to take a few days too, but I was just thinking about it. We were talking about well-rounded, his, you know, in terms of his offensive play and his bag, things like that. I... I think we both can take a couple days, but I think that's a question we should pose on the uh, six-man show episode. All right, this is what I'll say. Offensively, yes. All around, it's Mobley. Like you just look at mm-hmm. his size, the way that he's able to move, the things he's able to do. Hard to argue against that guy because he is a legitimate freak of nature. I'm sure you give me a few days. We, I, I can yeah, I'll talk myself argument. into Franz. I'll talk myself into yeah. Don't worry. <laughs> All right, Luke, I think that's going to do it for us. Luke, Sylvia, this has been Jonathan Osborne. You guys are listening to Shoot the Shot. And we will catch you guys next time. See ya.